the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God is not only here in the extraordinary, but he's also here in the ordinary. In fact, he created the ordinary. And occasionally, he decides to go extraordinary. But that doesn't mean he doesn't live with us in the ordinary as well. That reminds me of the verse, Lo, I am with you always. Welcome back to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. I'm Mike Trout, so glad you can uh, be with us today. And Pastor Leighton will continue in the seventh chapter of John, verse 28, in just a moment. This is a, a lengthy study, and if you've missed any of it, you can find all of the study in John on the website studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com. Here's Pastor Layton. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So, you know, in answer to their objections, Jesus makes two statements. He says, It's quite true you know where I come from, but it's also true that I come directly from God. And then secondly, Jesus said, You don't know God. But I do. And that was an insult to God's people to tell them that they did not go know God. And it was an incredible claim of Jesus that he alone knew God, that he had some kind of a special relationship with him. It was a stunning indictment and rebuke, especially towards the scribes and the Pharisees, because as Israel's religious elite, they had devoted their entire lives to the study of the Old Testament, and they prided themselves on the knowledge of God. Now, there's an important distinction that needs to be made. Knowledge of God should never be confused with knowing God. On the day when we stand before the pearly gates, entering into heaven is not going to be based on how we answer a pop quiz on our knowledge of God. It's going to be based upon knowing God and God knowing us. Jesus truly did know him and shared his eternal essence because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. You remember when we studied that? God the Father and God the Son were in relationship from eternity fast, face to face having conversation. No one knows God the Father like God the Son. Jesus could say, I know God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I am from him, and he sent me. Verse 30, so they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Now, they were infuriated by him. They, they wanted to seize him, but they failed. And what the author here wants us to understand is they failed because his hour had not yet come. Everything was under God's control, 
and God's timetable. Jesus was always operating on God's timetable. Jesus was always aware of God's timetable. That's why he would often say, the hour has not yet come. But then, as the time did approach, six months later, for him to be crucified, Jesus said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. God is in complete control. Everything operates according to God's timetable. And it didn't matter how many times they wanted to seize Jesus. If it wasn't according to God's timetable, it wasn't going to happen. Now, this should be encouraging to us as believers. Because when we look at what's happening around us in in the world, we see how it seems to be unraveling. It encourages us to know that nothing is a surprise to God. That God is in charge of history. History is his story unfolding before our eyes. And that he has promised that all things will work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We need to be reminded that this world is not our home. We're going to be at home someday in his presence for all eternity, and it's a whole lot better than the best this world has to offer. And this world is passing away. One way or another, it's a terrible place to make an investment. We should be investing in heaven, where moth and rust aren't a problem. It's a safe place to put an investment. God is in control. Everything is going according to his timetable, and that we need to be encouraged by that. Verse 31, yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, he will, will he do more signs than this man has done? So some of the people believed in him, and they asked a rhetorical question. In the construction in the Greek, it's expecting a negative, a negative answer. Can anybody, is this Messiah going to do any more than Jesus has done? And the answer expected is No. That Jesus did everything that the Old Testament said the Messiah would do. Do you remember when John the Baptist had his crisis, moment of crisis in his faith? And he sent his disciples to Jesus with the question, are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? And Jesus didn't immediately answer them. Jesus turned around and went back to what he was doing. What was he doing? He was preaching. He was teaching. He was healing the sick. He was uh, giving sight to the blind. He was healing the lame. And then after a while, he turned back to the disciples of John the Baptist and said, Now go tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying and doing what the Messiah was prophesied to do in the Old Testament. He was fulfilling those prophecies. And so they were saying, what more is to be expected from the Messiah? Jesus is doing everything that is expected of the Messiah. Now you remember from an earlier study, as we went through the scriptures, we discovered that that there was different levels at which people would come to Jesus in their faith. Um, The first level was exemplified by Andrew and John, the author of this gospel, both apostles. 
They were disciples of John the Baptist, and one day John the Baptist pointed at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And from that day, John and Andrew followed Jesus. All they needed was to be pointed to Jesus. Now, the Samaritan woman took a little more time and effort because she needed to have a conversation before she came to the conclusion that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And then later in that same chapter, chapter 4, there was the official. And the official didn't really come to accept Jesus as the Messiah until he had seen a miracle, his child being healed. When he met his servants on the road, they said, your, your child has been healed. And he said, what time? They told him one o'clock in the afternoon. He recognized that was the time that Jesus had said, your child is well. Jesus is willing to meet us at whatever level of faith that we come. Now, Jesus isn't going to leave us there. He is going to challenge us to grow in our faith towards him. But throughout this gospel, it's better to believe on the basis of miracles than to not believe at all. And so there's no condemnation here as to their faith being inadequate. Verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. They didn't even want the people to talk of Jesus. Now, when we go through the scriptures, we often hear about the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and so we might conclude that these guys were friendly. Actually, nothing could be further from the truth under normal circumstances. They were adversaries. Uh, The Pharisees believed that the only way you could please God was by keeping all kinds of rules and regulations. And so that's how they lived their lives. The Sadducees were on the other end of the spectrum. They didn't really care about pleasing God at all because they didn't believe in the life hereafter. All they believed in was this life. You might as well get as much as you can out of it. And so they were involved in religion, not for any relationship with God, but just so that they could turn it into a big business and make a fortune from it. They were at opposite ends of the spectrum. They, under normal circumstances, hated each other. But they hated Jesus more. And so those who were enemies came together to work against Christ and his kingdom. By the way, we're seeing that happen now again. Where the enemies of Christ and Christ's kingdom, who would normally hate each other and sometimes even kill each other, are coming together as a coalition in order to suppress the knowledge of God. So the Pharisees joined with the Sadducees and sent the temple priests, who were Levites, responsible for maintaining order on the temple grounds. And it was probable that they sent them with the command to arrest Jesus in an opportune moment, which obviously never seemed to occur to them. Verse 33, Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am... You cannot come. Now, this passage brings us face to face with both the promise as well as the threat of Jesus. Elsewhere, Jesus had said, Seek me and you will find me. Here he says, You will seek me and you will not find me. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 55 wove wove these two ideas together. In a powerful way, he said, Seek the Lord 
while he may be found. Now, a man must have a care, lest he become so familiar with sin that he, that he doesn't know that he is sinning, and neglect God so long that he forgets that God exists, because when the sense of need dies, then we do not seek. And if we do not seek, we will not find. So the one thing that we must never lose is our sense of sin. And with that, our need of a Savior. This is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And I'm Mike Trout. This is a daily visit brought to you by the Congregation of the Church and supported in part by listeners just like you. You can give safely when you go to the website, studyversebyverse.com. Now, details about the church are on their website at highlands.us. There is a link to an events page sharing with you all of the activities coming up at Church of the Highlands, plus the men's and women's and youth outreaches. The details, again, are on the website, highlands.us, plus, of course, the service times and directions to the campus in San Bruno. I could share some of that with you, but it's much easier if you just go to the website and click through all of the different pages. That's highlands.us. And join us tomorrow as we close out the week once again in the book of John, the seventh chapter, with our teacher, Pastor Leighton Sheely, as he takes us through John verse by verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.